After three days, this better be good. Oh, well, it wasn't easy, but I finally determined the cause of death. All right, now that we've had a little joke, what else you got? Nothing. Besides having his head cut off, he's in perfect health. No broken bones, no cavities, no organ deterioration. Like a newborn baby. Find out who he is? He's nobody. No prince, no dental, no nothing. It's like he never existed. What's this guy doing in New York City? What's he doing on the planet? Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. And this is Eamon. And this week we are continuing our journey down memory lane with Highlander 3. And this is our third episode of who knows how many covering this movie. If you haven't heard our other episodes so far, make sure to go back into our feed and listen to those. Get on our level. And subscribe if you haven't, because then these are going to be delivered right to your phone each and every week people wake up they go uh i don't know what to do what do i listen to do i have to go find different podcasts no you don't they get delivered to you instantly just download it so so far we have talked about the opening of the the movie uh so what has happened so far uh nakano the new ramirez magic man magic man he taught mcleod nothing and then gets decapitated by the villainous cane right then Mm -hmm. his severed head causes a cave to collapse trapping him below mount neary in japan for some reason Kane blames this on <laughs> series of events on McLeod. His goons have escaped. He murdered one of them. And McLeod, in the present day, in the present day, McLeod goes to New York for some reason. Gets put in a loony bin for some reason. Encounters a Napoleon wannabe for some reason. And then in a two-second fight scene, he dispatches uh, the other Kano goon. Kano goon. That's right. So two things I forgot to mention about that fight scene: the beloved Kane goon, who says nothing, uses the phrase. I'm your shadow, McLeod. Yeah. Like, huh? That's an odd thing to say. Especially because yeah. they, like, just met. This yeah. isn't like he's... You've never spoken to this man. And they've never even fought before. This is yeah. like... It's like there's beef. And yeah. it's like, no beef. No beef. If, Joe Beef. Joe Beef. Joe that, Beef. Maybe that was his name, Joe Beef. Yeah, that was it. Second, though, and I can't believe we didn't talk about this when talking about the quickening... The Mountain Dew. Oh, my God. How did we not talk about that? When the quickening goes, it causes a series of Mountain Dew cans that are, like, the label multiple like like the ultimate doing, in product placement yeah, like whoever is doing this laundry has like a mountain dew habit they're like 12 <laughs> cans of mountain dew on a table and they'll erupt their mountain dew into the air Mount, mountaineery dew mountaineery dew. mountaineery dew was that the tie-in <laughs> yeah and in, in highlander 2 we had the wendy's that's right product placement with that i was just like there's still Wendy's in this post-apocalyptic, like, domed city. Well, they, they must have won the, uh, the, the, the franchise, franchise wars. wars right? yeah, yeah. In Demolition Man. In the future, all restaurants are Taco Bell. I'd like to take you to Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really shocked we didn't talk about the Mountain Dew. Sorry, it was on the next page of my notes, uh, so I didn't uh, but also, see it until like, I flipped it. The cans just explode. The cans don't levitate. Just the Mountain Dew <laughs> erupts out of erupts from the cans. 
But the cans are completely stationary. Don't worry, guys. The cans are fine. Yeah. These quickenings, quote unquote, aren't like as gay as the the ones in the first movie. You know what I mean? Like these don't feel as yeah, as, like literally like as phallic. erotic. And yeah, like yeah. Yeah. right. Like the they're very homoerotic in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Less so in the second movie, I'd say too. But sure. like the first movie goes deep into that imagery, and this this doesn't. Yeah, because like we talked about that in our a bajillion part first episode series like the very first quickening we see where mcleod fights Masil, they meet in this like shadowy place and like they fight with penis Phallus, symbols, Phallic symbols and then yeah. like mac basically has like an orgasm is what it looks like and there isn't all this lightning necessarily the same way yeah no there's actually very, not much lightning in the very first quickening. Yeah, and all these cars like lunge forward and extrude oil yeah. and it's very very sexual it's very sexual these are not no these are not this is like special effects orgasms not joe beef yeah <laughs> joe beef all right so are we ready to hop into this chapter let's do it all right so who hops in the frame but kane so kane is now on the scene and so how, how do we how do we get introduced get in the version i watched he just is walking around a dock <laughs> so presumably he got off a ship yeah is what we're you know this alludes to i thought this location was cool because it looked like there a, a ship was docked in like the ice i thought that looked kind of oh, okay. cool but yeah, yeah, which I, I had no know. problem with that. I was like, okay, yeah. took a boat. And so that's from the European cut. In the U.S. cut... What happens? Since the special effects needed time to work out, he fucking, like, teleports onto this dock. The whole it's frame like goes, ripple. like, wonky. It's, it's like, like a, a stargate. And he, like, pops into frame. Like, yeah. it's like the frame, like, it, like he poops, gets pooped out of space or something. Yeah. He's like, like a wormhole. I mean, that would make sense for Joe Beef. That's how Joe Beef got to the hospital. Like, he was <laughs> he teleported just pooped there. there. But he had already left Kane, so is Joe Beef so that all doesn't make magic? any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, also, really, that stretches what the power of illusion is. Yeah, the power of if illusion. What? Yeah. Well, maybe actually, just all time and space are an illusion. They are. <laughs> sure. Man. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, yeah man. This is deep. <laughs> maybe this is really we making have, a point. We have Matthew McConaughey from True Detective yeah. coming in. Time's a to flat talk circle. Death created time to grow the things that would kill. Fuck you, McConaughey. <laughs> So some asshole's going to write that in their college essay and think it's really profound. So here's a question. How does Kane know to come here? I guess it's just he the just gathering. Feels it, but like he he sends his goon. He's like, go find McLeod. This goon is not like reported back, presumably. Right. 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 So like so I think the gathering is just on. It's just back on. So they feel pulled to New York. My view of this might have been tainted a little bit by the reading of the script. Right. Because there's a discussion because, like, the bad guy's again trapped in a cave. There's some description that he gives that, like, when the gathering was happening and he's, like, trapped in the cave, like, the pull was so strong, they were, like, clawing at the walls, trying to escape so they could go participate. That's so cool. That I is think. cool. Yeah, that's but a good idea. I feel like that is maybe making me think more favorably about it, though it's not something that's present on the screen. Yeah. You know that, what I mean? That question, there is no answer to. No. Yeah. You know how to fix it? Here we go. How about the three fucking amigos. villains? The three amigos emerge from the cave. Kane takes the one's head. The mm. other one is like, what the fuck? And fucking flees. Yeah. And, of course, he's got no choice because he's an immortal. So he ends up fleeing to New York because he feels a pull there. And Kane follows shortly after. Because, like, him ordering him to go there. He doesn't order him to go there. He just says, go find McLeod. Well, but, I mean, he orders him to go find McLeod. So yeah. now we're like, oh, well, he must not know where McLeod is. Mm-hmm. He sends the goon to do the dirty work. Right. But then Kane just shows up anyway. It's like, well, you didn't even need to tell him to do that. You would yep. have just come anyway. Right. So fix it by not making it an order. Okay. Have him have yeah, him just have him just leave Kane's entourage. Yeah. 
I don't know. Because it seems like a shitty place to be. It's not a good entourage. Yeah. Again, this is like how this movie is like not thoughtfully put together. Or edited in, like the script was edited to such a degree that it's fucking butchered. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense anymore. Nope. So Kane's in New York. (laughs) So now we get a police investigation. We cut back to the hospital. And we're in the basement. Hey guys, you know what the best thing about Highlander was? Yeah, it's the cops. <laughs> They're back. We get some real go- the the one cop, the heavy set dude mm-hmm. who kind of looks like the the police officer from the first movie, Alan he, North. Yeah, he does look like him. Which yeah. I kind of thought he was supposed to be him, but so we're about to meet <laughs> Lieutenant Sedan, which is a new police officer played by Martin Neufeld, and you know he's the new grizzled, hard boiled guy who's out to get McLeod. He's kind of your Bedsoe replacement. Yeah, but Bedsoe is a little bit of a buffoon. Yeah, this guy doesn't seem like a buffoon. Right. This guy seems gruff. He's rough and tumble. And he's on the ball. Or yeah. at least he has a functioning memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. For a second, just from the way he looks and the way he talks, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be, what's his name, Garfield? The guy who says you're a cocksucker or whatever, McLeod? Yeah, the, oh, guy right. who roughs yeah. Up, or the guy who roughs up Nash in the first instance, who's like a beat cop or something I like that. I thought the exact same thing. I thought that now this guy is wearing big boy pants. He's yep. like older and wiser, but he's still an asshole. Right. And like... That would have been awesome. And, you know, he wanted Nash from the beginning, and now he's going to get him. Right. Right. Nope. So what happens? I would have also been fine, like, because like you said, this guy kind of looks and sounds like him, like he's this rough New York type. If they just called him Garfield, they just, yeah, yeah, Yeah. just recast. It's fine. So this guy is like, like, where's the sword? Like, this guy remembers the Bedsoe case from eight years ago right because the other guys are like impressed that he's putting it all together yeah. so quickly he's like how do you know right. there's a sword he's like i, I remember yeah. other I remember peop- other people don't remember but i remember <laughs> i was like what who is this guy are you like describing boxing from the 30s yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lieutenant sten's voice is so strong it's I like think- a cartoon new york voice yeah like every time i saw him i was almost pulling it was like the first time you realized that it's rick astley <laughs> where you're like that voice is coming out of that man i'm like yeah huh I find him fairly captivating. Like, I think this is a more interesting character, and I wish we got maybe more of this plot. I don't know. Like, because well, we do talk about, like, uh, like, are there cops in this? Like, does that bog it down? It's like, I think it just needs to make its mind up. It's like, either there's no cops, or this is, like, hardcore part of the story, and it's neither. Yeah. Like, I mean, my preference would be that it's not. Right. But, like, insofar as it is, this is probably the most compelling cop we've seen in the Highlander franchise. Sure. Sure, Yeah. He beats all the detectives from the series, hands down. Hands down. Handily. It still is, like, not worth it. Like, there's not enough time put into it. It's It makes no sense. It just kind of gets in the way. And they don't really provide anything for the story. Well, again, because it's all a rehashing of the first movie. So it's right. like, the cops in the original one, that was part of, like, getting Brenda involved, too. Yeah. And it's like, well, how is she going to uncover this story and find out what it is? Like, she's the surrogate for the audience in some ways. But it's like, we've done that already. The audience is aware of what's going on. So they've just now introduced a new audience surrogate or something. Like, it's like, uncover the mystery that everybody knows the answer to. But you know he's I mean? not, but he never also advances the mystery. Correct. That's he exactly never, it. All, he also never gets closer to it. Right. Because, yeah, in the first movie, we see Brenda, like, she goes to the, the, the records and she sees birth certificates. She's like, wait, how, what is this? This isn't making sense. Like, she's slowly piecing this thing together and getting closer and closer to McLeod through it. This is not what's happening here. No. There's no pieces being put together. He almost learns nothing. He does learn. Like, he's like a hard-boiled detective, which is fine, but, like, kind of no detective work happens in this Zero. movie. It's just that he he follows Nash around. Once, yeah, or twice. Once, yeah. Twice, yeah, that's it. Three times a lady. That's right. But three never, t- like, gets information out of that. Like, he never has a theory. Does he? No. He has zero. His, I mean, his theory is that he's the decapitator. Right. 
But yeah. that's it. So I'm going to nail you, Nash. I'm going to nail your butt to the wall. <laughs> so in the original draft of this script, this is supposed to also, be Bedso. I'm pretty sure he's another John, isn't he? Is he John Stan? Maybe. I think so. Come on. Let's there's three Johns in three this movie. Three Johns in the movie? <laughs> yeah, Lieutenant John Sten. Yeah. What? There's three Johns. Speaking of characters' names, I am not entirely sure who this person was, but on IMDb, there is a character in this movie named Stosh. You're kidding. This this has to be confirmation. Is Bill, it, uh, Bill uh, Panzer must have a friend or his dog is named Stosh, right? Like his dog. It has to be something. Like his there friend's is friend's dog. His friend's, friend's dog, dog is whatever. Stosh. There is no way that there are so many Stoshes in the Highlander universe. Like that is not a common name, right? Or is it big in Canada? I don't know. But Stoshes keep popping up. Big in Japan? Yeah. Yeah, it's a real it's a classic Japanese name. Yeah. Stosh. So anyway, there's a Stosh in this movie. Yep. I, I, there's something to that. Not much, but there's something yeah, there's to it. There's something to it. <laughs> do they make the same joke in this scene that they do in the garage scene of Highlander 1? Like, how do he die? The, the, jo- the joke here is like, uh, I suspect foul play. Yeah, yeah. I suspect foul play. And then the, sa- the joke in the other one is like, well, how do you think he died? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and they, and they like, also echo that joke later in the morgue, yeah. because they're like, I, the, 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 the M.E. is like, I think I finally figured out the cause of death, death, which is pretty funny. But. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty funny. All right, so <laughs> Mac is coming home in the next scene, and Sten cuts him off at the pass, right? Eamon, tell us about this. Eight years ago, you got away with it, but I'm not Detective Bedsoe. And McClellan's just like, have a good night. Right, and goes in. Yeah, and yeah. he like he doesn't really have anything, but he's like, I know something's up, which is okay. So he's just like waiting outside of his apartment. But here's also the fact that Nash is back for the first time in eight years, and there's suddenly another decapitated body. Pretty yeah. good, strong evidence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So here's one of another weird key thing that I notice. So this happened eight years ago. What year did the first movie take place? 1985. 1985, which makes this 1993. So this movie takes place in the past of its movies. The movie's release, and oh, let's barely, barely. But I'm just saying because they they mentioned this eight year thing a number of times. It's kind of just strange. It's like, unless there were a lot of delays with the production and getting, like, the movie actually released in theaters. Because even if, let's say, you say the movie takes place in 1986, because it's when it came out, eight years later, it's still 1994. Where they got in the Philippines. Where they got it, <laughs> finally in the Philippines. But yeah. a year later. Like, it's kind of just a strange bit of dialogue. Yeah, I don't know. It's What's weird. What's the strange Keith thing in it, though? Oh, just that I thought about oh, it. <laughs> just oh, that okay. I, like, was dissecting I how was many wait, years. I was waiting for some batshit theory. Oh, don't, don't worry. I have the most batshit crazy thing that yes. we're all going to be on a ride for later. Yes. <laughs> and it involves one of the most mundane things in this oh. film. Great. Yes. <laughs> oh, but uh, I like that Sten mentions Bedso in this scene. But it's, I think Keith was mentioning Bedso is supposed to be the cop in the script. Yeah. Do we want to talk about his involvement at all? Or he's back. Bedso's involvement. Yeah. In the original script, Bedso was. I mean, he's the cop, so it, it kind of makes yeah. more sense that he's picking this up. So he definitely stops by with like more stop and chats with Mac, and mm-hmm. is present at the end of the movie, which is important, and we'll right. get into that later as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of like that it was Bedso in the script, but yeah. I mean, no, it would have been fine, yeah. though. This character is very different than Bedso. Very different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, this character is, like, in fucking intense. Bedso is pretty laid back. Yeah, he's unlike the other cops in the scenes, which are, like... They're yeah, they're a little bit more laid back. They're just like yeah, like look at this, and like this guy's like we gotta catch. He says he's smoking. <sighs> yeah, catch this motherfucker. Like he's yeah. like really into it. Like this is a guy that doesn't sleep at night because he's gonna catch a murderer. Which That's again right. would be like fodder for good drama in this if it was like integral to the plot really but it's kind of but it's not yeah because again it's all mechanics it's just like these cops are here literally only to stop mac at the end at the airport 
I don't think they're here for any reason. <laughs> no, I just think it's for an obstacle. It's like, why does Mac not stop Kane at the airport? Like, what's in his way? Maybe he gets arrested, and then, like, we work backwards from that. Hmm. I'm not sure that that's what it is. Just because I don't think you need an obstacle. Like, he can just beat him. Like, he can just get there faster. Sure. It's not like you mechanically need that obstacle. I guess not. All right, so we cut to the mean streets, and there are these, like, street hustlers there, and they're playing... So what's the name of this card? Three-card Monty? Three-card Monty. Kane's walking by... And they bring him in. They're like, hey, brother, come on over and, like, play the game. So unlike his friend, Kane figured out how to buy clothes. Yeah. He but, which he, but he changes later into his armor. Kind of, yeah. 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 But he does have, like, a trench coat on and, like, and he like looks... a, a hoodie type. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's a cool outfit. Sure. So he's wearing... like fucking Morpheus. That's what yeah. he is. Yeah. Well, especially once he gets the blade glasses from this guy. So, so this three card Monty guy is wearing the Wesley Snipes sunglasses. Right. Yeah. At night, and he kind of looks like Wesley Snipes. He does. He probably, look, actually, like... he probably got that all from Wesley, Wesley Snipes, Snipes, which yeah. he directed in New Jack City. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he beats him at the game. Another weird, like, not just beats him. He uses his magic. He uses his sorcerer powers. It's a weird, like, another three-person thing where you're trying to pick the right one. It's oh, kind of a weird... That's a good point. Nakano callback. Oh, that's funny. He cheats by... He's like, oh, find the Ace of Diamonds. And he turns all three cards into the Ace of Diamonds. Yeah. And takes the money. And they're like, whoa, what the shit? Give me your money back. And then he teleports the guy's glasses off of his face. Yeah. He illusions them off of his face. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, and they run away. And the one guy is a little person. <laughs> like all right <laughs> wait what the the card the, the the one guy like running the game is like a little person yeah is uh-huh i watched this twice and didn't pick up on that <laughs> what the fuck oh you must have just thought he was crawling around the whole time. <laughs> no yeah he's a little it's like it's a very like oh okay like he looks like Wesley Snipes. He, do, he, does. he does look like Wesley oh, okay. Snipes. Okay, looks like a small Wesley Snipes. Yeah. So uh, a little... Wesley Snipes. little trivia. Not on Wesley Snipes. So oh. there was a similar scene that was going to be in the movie before they shot this, right? And this is kind of like, I guess, the replacement scene. So during filming in Montreal, two local punk rockers with mohawk hairdos were hired as extras for a scene wherein they were to attempt mugging the newly awakened Kane uh, in a dark alley. So this is similar to like, it's like, Kane having his first run-in with the, the mean streets in New York, right? Mm. The two were paid a nominal fee, thanked for their services before shooting, uh, and the scene was dropped from the movie after they were seen taking drugs on set and overheard plotting to kidnap Mario Van Peebles by driving away in the uh, in a makeup RV with him in it. Great. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Why Mario Van Peebles? Why not Mario Van Peebles? Mm, I mean, fair enough. if you're going to ransom someone... I mean, maybe Lambert... Yeah, who has more cash? I don't know. Or cash. Lambert must have more cash, right? At but this I guess point? they weren't in a scene with him. Also, these guys are all hopped up on drugs, so yeah. who knows yes. what they're so thinking. This is a meth plan anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> meth plan. I'm so sad they're I thought that was a great yeah. story. I'm sad their plan didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> sad for whom? I don't know. That could have just been the plot of the movie. Yeah. They, Mario Van Peebles gets they, they just drop Lambert the has to yeah. <laughs> his friend Mario Van Peebles. Oh, no. We were filming The Highlander number three, and then Kane got kidnapped. And I, I'm a superhero, so... I must save him. Also, by the way, this scene is the scene. Like, that's it. This this like, this like three-card Monty thing. What is, the, what is the scene? We see how he gets uh, sunglasses. sunglasses. They're yeah. like, you need the origin <laughs> story. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it kind of doesn't do much, does it? 
I don't think it does anything. This isn't Kane getting acclimated to New York in any way. I don't think. No, he seems fine. He's getting around just fine. Like, he's the one who scams. Like, I don't know. He hasn't learned anything. This is how he gets his money to pay for his drink that he has Like, he should get, he should lose a three-card Monty or something. That would maybe, like, it's like, wait, what's going on here? Like, he, he, there's no learning moment for him. This is so stupid. Because they're using the power of illusion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is just fucking Sleight of of hand. Sleight of hand, right. Yeah. But, like, uh, I don't know. Oh, showing... so he's never seen this game before. Yeah. It's know. a pretty simple game, though. Wait, have you ever played before? Hey, let me explain. I can see <laughs> <Okay>. you're confused. Let <laughs> me explain the rules. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we cut now to Max Loft, the iconic Max Loft from the first movie. I like that they've kind of recreated it. Yeah, I couldn't remember if this was really a faithful re creation or not it seems like pretty close yeah I don't know. enough so that i'm like all right it's yeah. like it in spirit i think yeah. where's the fish tank yeah where's the fish tank i guess the fish tank is called out explicitly in the original script like yeah. oh the fish tank is there like the the weird the silver room i didn't remember this from the first one or not is his view fake in the first one and yes. this is definitely a model like, yes it is fake in okay. the first one yeah, yeah it's all a set so matt comes back everything's like covered in sheets and shit like so he's packed up he hasn't been there i guess for a while mm-hmm. uh he looks out the window stan much like bedso was camped out in front of his place or i guess in the in the highlander one bedso is camped out of uh brenda's place right right so this is similar so then mac uncovers the fucking piano where the tv remote lives mm-hmm. <laughs> he then has fucking cable he's well, he has cable and that he's i guess been paying for uh, or maybe he doesn't because i guess in those days you could just plug in to the wall for like channels you know your regular news broadcasts you'd have bunny ears for that true in those days. but he has like some special high tech like it's some crazy flat screen it's behind did you see it's like behind a fucking electronic like yeah curtain thing it's like it like goes up yeah so he turns Max on this living high on the hog uh, he's so he, living on that shield court money yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also we definitely need to have a discussion at some point that this is a prequel till to highlander 2 where's uh, his, like I, that I we know, should try I to know, i know the exact line that made you think that and or maybe i don't oh no no there is one but i think we should try to shoehorn this in i know it's not for all you nerds that are freaking out it's not a real sequel to that it doesn't count i know but it'll be fun and silly to talk about how this could actually fit in and this is like before the fucking ozone layer collapses he doesn't have any science acumen in this movie but this one also posits that you get it when you cut people's heads off so maybe uh, kane maybe kane had it off kane has the scientist though all that science knowledge would be frozen in like yeah <laughs> the 1500s somewhere okay so on this tv because also just talking about character shit like Kyle, you said in one of our previous podcasts, like, Mac doesn't seem like the guy that's, like, into meditation, like, has this, like, spiritual side to him or, like, into illusion and stuff. Mac also doesn't seem like the sort of guy that when he comes home after years away, maybe eight years, shrug, who knows, that he's like, let me turn on the TV. Like, Mac doesn't seem like a TV guy. That's just me. I don't know. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah, right? Okay. Am I, am I mistaken in that? Like, he doesn't seem like the guy that watches TV. I don't know. I can see him watching TV. Okay. I find the, Well, I find the TV more believable than that he's into, like, Hocus Eastern Pocus. wisdom. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like, he's like, I, hocus pocus. I guess I could see him, like, drinking beers and watching football. And yeah, just I feel like, ah, fuck, fuck yeah. it. It's a Sunday. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Fuck it. It's a Sunday. So anyway, he puts on <laughs> fucking news, and it is a live, we're going to get into this, a live broadcast from Japan. And so, Dr. Alex Johnson, Deborah do Unger. Do we know it's live? Yes, it says live. Oh, okay. She is being interviewed. She says uh, she's from the New York Museum of Ancient History. Not a real thing. And so, 
is this the local like i think this is like the local new york news channel yeah, which is what? broadcasting li- <laughs> live from japan about a story <laughs> like an archaeological story this is like it's the also, slowest sure. news day it's like all syndicated sure yeah. yeah no you just buy the store you just buy the slot and all right so it gets slotted in mac is listening like, to this it's local in the sense that it's Activities of a local New York person. Yeah. I don't know why I'm bending over backwards to support what we should do. I think it's important to do this sort of yeah. stuff, this legwork for this. So then Mac is like, oh, and he recognizes her voice. Sarah. Yeah. And says, I Sarah. hate this. And gets a flashback. So, all right, well, let's talk about this flashback first. So we get a flashback to sometime in France. Like, this is pre-revolutionary France, right? Yes. This transition is nothing memorable. Not like the Mulcahy transitions. Like, this is literally a pan to the left and using a wall to cut the scene. Okay, fine. It works. Again, this is stuff they do on the TV show. Great, you do it on the TV show. They shoot those in seven days. This is a movie. Nobody thought, like, how are we going to do these transitions? Like, this is a big part of the original movie. Not planned out here, apparently. Or this is the level of planning. It's like, just fucking pan. We'll cut to the wall. Might as well just fucking do Star, had, War, Star Wars wipes. Doesn't they had matter. walls back then. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at some type of French VR. And the music, did anyone notice the music has, like, very small hints of who wants to live forever? Like, two to three notes. It's very subtle. Probably because they couldn't really get away with quoting mm. the music. But Which, how? How could they not get the music? I know. I, I don't know what the rights issues are with that. They can do it for two movies, but then in number and three. And the TV show, too. And the TV show. But for this, nope. Nope. Maybe it's just a conscious choice. Maybe it's not that they couldn't do it. Just don't. Let's want. divorce ourselves from Queen? Yeah. yeah. Possible. We've got other metal to incorporate into this movie. So this character, Sarah, who is played by Deborah Unger, mm-hmm. comes in but and is like, like red, red hair. Redder right. hair. Redder hair. Yeah. Uh, she's like, oh, like, who are you? And Mac is like, no. Like, do I know you? No. <laughs> I'm Dandy McCloud. Yeah. This is like the least charismatic scene ever. It's they have a, negative chemistry. <laughs> yeah. But and it's also, also just like they're just in a room. They're just stand they're both standing there already. She has a British accent, which she's visiting from England. Right. right. Which gets explained later. But it's like, oh it gets explained in 30 seconds. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. It's like yeah. in the scene it gets explained. You've met my spirited niece right. visiting from England. That's right. Because Mac is here to gamble right. <laughs> with this woman's uncle. Right. Saucy French man. <laughs> <laughs> Mac is very saucy. So here's the thing about this scene that like is crazy. Like the transition to the flashback is Mac recognizes like he's not looking at the TV. He hears the voice and goes, "Sarah, who speaks in a British accent 200 years ago?" Like yeah. this is how he like he has this power to recognize voices. <laughs> like how does he know? It's also, her? like is reincarnation part of this? universe now evidently like, or is it just like this is a stand-in a for love but we're gonna get into more of this later so we dissolve back through to the present because that's all this scene is really this is nothing this is just two characters saying hi I, and she's like oh he's here to rein me in or oh yeah there's like a like, taming oh, of the shrew aspect to this yeah, like, like i'm unbridled or something uh, yeah and he's like, Ooh, uh, like hey, a I'll pleasant challenge yeah. <laughs> right so then we dissolve I'll through the tv <laughs> I'll suck those nipples. <laughs> Spoiler alert. How much Lambert nipple sucking do you think is in this movie? As much Too is much. legally allowed to be with this yeah. film's rating. <laughs> so we dissolve back to the present through the TV. That looks kind of okay. And then we get a cut to the snake bar. Yeah. All right. So on this, this exciting bar is not playing a football game, a baseball game, wrestling. <laughs> they are playing a live news broadcast of archaeological footage for the bartenders to enjoy. <laughs> 
like what? all those bar patrons. It's like pay per view only. Yeah. Terrible. Hey, could you ch- could you change the station to that archaeological find? <laughs> The only thing that could be, like, less exciting than what this is at the bar is, like, a live stream of, like, an eagle sitting on an egg. Like, <laughs> like, like just watching its its chicks. Like, what? This yeah. is so ridiculous. So, anyway, Kane's getting a drink. Anyone notice what he's drinking? Applejack? Interesting choice. Ooh. Why is he drinking Applejack? I wondered the same thing. Is that a liquefied version of the cereal? It is. That's right. It's that's very, a, he's it's actually just milk. eating a bowl of Applejacks. <laughs> Applejack, if anyone wants the scoop on Applejack, it's a colonial era drink. <laughs> Kyle's shaking his head like, you fucker. <laughs> Get Don't. in there. No, sorry. I was debating whether or not to do the Keith joke of, uh-huh, nobody cares. <laughs> you I could. Just, but I'm not gonna. Go you, ahead. All right. You could. Do people want to know what this is? I do. Write Spit us in. Out. I'll wait. Okay. We'll okay, wait so Applejack is a colonial era spirit. Mm. It's called Jack. It's, well, it's apple because it's made from apples. Jack because it's jacking, which means increasing your alcohol content. So it's mm. like a stronger alcohol than most. The idea was it was very economical at the time. So they would make essentially kind of like an apple brand, like, you know, they would ferment the apple juice. Mm. But normally to distill any sort of spirit, you heat a kettle and you boil off your alcohol, you collect it, and that's your spirit. During the winter, that's expensive, especially in colonial America where you have to burn a bunch of coal or wood. And so it's like, well, instead of boiling the alcohol off, let's freeze the water off. And so they would leave these outside to freeze, or of course the water freezes before the alcohol, and then they scoop off the frozen, frosted water. You know, it's like an icy. Mm -hmm. uh, And would discard that, and what you're left with is a concentrated alcohol. So that is Applejack. Interesting. How about that? That was actually quite fascinating. And Kane has apparently heard of it. And <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. into Applejack. Like, why does he pick that one? Who knows? Oh, I thought Applejack. I thought they made Applejack because um, the flavor of apple and the flavor of cinnamon have a race, <laughs> but cinnamon always wins on the race to get to your bowl. Am I thinking the wrong thing? Also, there's a nice little parallel between the Kurrigan and him on this. Because so yeah, so we talk about some t- ancient taggers, right, Kyle? Yeah. There was, uh, you know, there's this tagging phrase. We don't know what it means, blah, blah, blah. And Kane goes, I know what it means. And I have in my notes, there's a full focus shot. I don't know why I always find that, like, slightly impressive. Anytime I see a movie where it's, like, full focus, there's, mm. like, there's a fucking snake bowl. I love this snake bowl. The snake bowl. The reason this place is called the snake bar <laughs> it's just, it's just has an on the bar with a snake in it. Also, here's a crazy theory, right? Anybody get the, a vibe of what this bar is? No. Was it a gay bar? Yeah, that's it. It's like a cowboy bar. This place is entire like there's country music playing, and it is populated mostly by older gentlemen, all wearing cowboy boots, cowboy hats. So I was like, is this place in New York? Part of me even wondered, are they is Kane not in New York at this moment? Is he on his way still? This is the strangest location. It is a cowboy bar. Everybody in this place is cowboys. There, I mean, there are nine million people in New York. I believe that there's a cowboy bar in New York without hesitation. Possible. I believe that there's Oh you, yeah, sure. Insert bar here, I believe it exists in New York. Sure. So anyway, isn't that isn't that just a strange thing though? Like this is a cowboy bar. It was a weird entirely populated by cowboys. Okay. And, and snakes. snakes. And and snakes. There's a snake in my bowl. <laughs> Yeah, so weird key theory, is he even really in New York? Yes. Question mark. It's debatable. You could say he's not, though, and it's okay. Was he in New York before and then left New York? Is that I, no, I'm, I don't know if we're, we could say he's 100% in New York. We know he's on a dock. That's true. So 
Interesting. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right, so, bam, we cut back to Japan. We're in the weird electrical facility or whatever this is. For and the last time? Maybe this is the last time. So Alex is looking at some rock carvings. She says something in French, uh, and then she says, oh, this alphabet is, like, early Russian, which is like, okay. I don't know why it's in Japan or who was there. Does that imply, like, the Kurgan maybe was there? Who knows? Well, why I is thought it, it was... That, that was a rock piece from the cave that one of the warriors carved that into. That's- oh, that the warrior carved that. That would make more sense because they could definitely be from like West Asia then. All right. Yeah, I'm over that. Okay. Yeah, I'm over that. Okay. Fully. Yeah. All right. I'm into that. So she says there can be only one. I actually really like this. Yeah. What we talked about before with like Nakano and like, oh, the legend of Nakano, maybe it's real. It's like, eh, fuck that. I think this is cooler. And this is something that seems more left over from the original script that like there is a legend about these mystics in the Scottish Highlands and like what were they up to and like there's stories about people that would behead each other and it's like or this is like mythology that exists out there. Much like the Watchers or something. It's like, oh, what is this? She's investigating that. Like there can be only one inscribed in rock, I think is cool. Yeah. No, that is like cool. that lends to this crazy mythic nature of this thing, and like her apparent theory that legends can be used as like a source of archaeological knowledge. Then she gets a fax message, right? Although this time we don't get to see the fax coming in. We'll talk about that. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> later. What is this fax she gets? It's about a headless body in New York City. And, like, the note is, like, thought you'd enjoy reading this on the way home. <laughs> From fucking Tom. It's like, Tommy, what a weirdo. Like, why did you send this? Yeah. And well, is it always, only, I don't know. is it because that I guess Tommy knows about the headless body they found? Well, he must. In the original script, it has to do with, I believe, that it's the clothing that's being yeah. investigated. Like, that's the impetus for whole her, her whole involvement in this investigation in the original script is that her body had this, like, ancient armor on. Body found in New York with ancient armor on. And that's how she ends up going back and investigating. Right. Which is better. That, that makes, makes more sense. That makes more sense. And that's also the wa- reason why this person sends it to her because that's the crucial part. Like, this headline is just, like, headless body. But yuck, the other yuck, one, yuck. Yeah, but the other one gets yeah. into, like, this is some, like, ancient person or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. That makes way more sense. Yeah. So Brenda's doing great work. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm just gonna, is that is that bit tired yet? I'm no. just keep I'm just gonna keep going with it. Oh, by the way, they have the same skill set. Huh? Yeah, really. They're like the same. Okay, so also, so she's like boxing up shit. She boxes up the like the paperweight essentially, we'll call it. This the is the block of metal. And she's gonna take all this stuff back to New York. And then part of me was like, wait, she's taking all this Japanese stuff to New York? Like J- Japan doesn't wanna keep any of the stuff? Like I I, to me, that's a little weird. Maybe they'll let her use her facilities to analyze it. They might get it back. I think she's taking it all and keeping it. Stealing it. it. <laughs> she's yeah. just stealing it. They got facilities there. They have all those electrodes and stuff. They, got, yeah. they definitely have other labs. That's all the museum equipment. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So then we cut back to New York. And Eamon, what is Kane up to? Kane is looking in a sex store window at like a blow-up doll or yeah, something. Yeah, he is. And he's like, yeah. yeah baby. <laughs> and then some weird like pimp man approaches him and is like oh does anyone know who that guy is no no who uh he is credited as ponytail ponytail is what he's credited as in the book he i mean in the credits he looks like such a fucking creep yeah uh-huh. but i was like this guy looks really familiar so i went all out looking for him he is christopher Heyerdahl, aka he's one of the main characters in the amc show hell on wheels oh. he is the swede wow he is phenomenal in that show 
Damn. This guy's great. Wow. How about that? Um, but this is like his second IMDb credit. Wow. Ponytail. 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 Does he even have a ponytail? Yeah. I didn't notice. <laughs> and like a does. gross beard. And yeah. Like, he's like, why would you want plastic when you can have the real thing? Right. Then he takes Kane over to one of the most offensive characters I've ever seen in a movie. This is, I was like, like hold one on, of the most hold effective on. caricatures hold in on. this thing. Yeah. All right. So Kane goes oh up to God. like a little shitty hotel room or whatever this is. Yep. Little fuck room. A little fuck room. And there's a, a whore in here. Yeah, I have in my notes, is this offensive question? Mark? Yes. <laughs> once she once she talks, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So do you, she just has this really like broken English accent talking about uh, well, Did you write like, down the actual dialogue that uh, she says? She says no glove, no love. I remember that. Uh she says it more like no, I mean, glove? well, we can. Would we like to play the clip? No, sure. No. All right, let's, let's play this clip, guys. Highlander Rewatch does not endorse any of the, the uh, caricatures displayed in this clip. That's right. Why don't you come play a little bit? Make yourself comfortable. You nice big boy. Ooh. Come on, you little devil. Silent type, huh? It's fine by me, baby. But I'm telling you, no glove, no love. Okay, so that was a crazy clip and so offensive on a lot of levels. So, one, you probably couldn't get this just from the clip, but she hands him a condom, which he unwraps. It's red. And he eats it. And he chews it. This is it like out. our only fish out of water scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Is that he doesn't know how to wrap it. Like he knows he it. how to do all this yeah. other crazy stuff. At some point he learns how to drive, but he's like condoms. And he has big uh, tattoos. And nipple piercings. In addition to his nipple piercings. Yep. And he's yeah. ripped as shit. He is yeah. ripped. He is very ripped. Hubba hubba. Uh, and then he rapes her. Yeah. Does he rape that- her? <laughs> i mean like he does something not good to her i think the implication is he hurts her he hurts her okay she screams yeah. oh she does and he, like, bites i thought her. it was like moaning no yeah. oh he does bite do you think he bites her ear off maybe he's a biter <laughs> yeah also you see her naked boobs a lot a lot of boobies yes mm-hmm. for no reason Yep. One, I think he rapes her because of the screaming. Two, she said, you can't have sex without a condom. And then he does. So, yeah. you know. Double so this, is, this is just the hooker scene from Highlander 1. Except except that that is just a hooker beat. <laughs> this is a hooker scene. Yeah, true. And we don't know if the Kurgan rapes the hooker. Also true. He just goes, of course you of are. Course you are. <laughs> but these are like these these like hallmarks of the first movie. It's like, what was in the first movie? Oh, a hooker and the villain. Like, mm-hmm. here's a hooker and the villain in this movie. Like... They're just replicating stuff. Also, I'm pretty sure the Kurgan wrapped it up. Safe sex. <laughs> Bro, you think the Kurgan's very conscientious about yep. that kind of thing? He's like, I don't want to deal with that. All right, guys. We're revisiting the Highlander catalog covering all things Highlander 3. Today, we are going to be reading from the 10th anniversary Highlander catalog. Ooh. So is that 1996? Is that when this is from? That would be from 1996. Highlander 3, The Final Dimension, Director's Cut, Uncut, and R-Rated. Oh, boy. Mm. Like my dick. That's right. <laughs> Both of those things are untrue. Your dick isn't rated R. Yeah. 
It's what rated. Is it, what is it rated? G. G. Uh, it's actually uh, just a rubber ducky. Okay. <laughs> Once again, the director knows best. This uncut, R-rated version is the real thing. Forget the PG-13 theatrical version that the, the, that the distributor sent to theaters. Wow, really? Oh, well, fuck the distrib- fuck you, distributors. <laughs> yeah. And theaters. Yeah. yeah. If that's what you're really called. Yeah. This steamy director's cut Ugh. contains five minutes of additional footage never seen before by audiences in North America. Astonishing special effects and sizzling romance. Christopher Lambert's greatest challenge will become your ultimate adventure. Also stars Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> <laughs> that last sentence is the, it's, the creme de la creme. Did people... Do you think people, like got this movie to get like turned on did yes. pornography yes. not yes. exist no totally no that's a like, 100% right also by the way i remember watching this as a child with my parents and when what? this scenes yeah cuz they were they yeah. were like they liked time leader too they were into it and it's like oh let's get this movie they got the movie we watched movies together as a family that fucking sex scene comes on oh boy did i feel uncomfortable <laughs> cuz it is a graphic bet. sex scene <laughs> yeah that fucking sex scene. No, That's I, a bit redundant. I feel, like, I feel like movies... I mean, there's still problems with the male gaze in all these things, but I think the impetus to show tits and things mm-hmm. like that is different now. Like, it really is. Because yeah. if you want to see tits, everyone has the ability to do it. Right. It used to be, it's like you had to go to a certain shop and like have like a magazine that you'd hide under your bed. Or, you know. Yeah. You had to expend a lot of effort to get genuinely pornographic material before... So there was a real advantage to being like, you know what, let's uh, mix in a little something into our action movies, usually, or, you know, into more mainstream movies. But now, I don't know, that's that's less important. Like, there's still, like, a sexual element to movies, but it's different. This movie handles it very artistically, though, I think. (laughs) <laughs> but like, what was the last? What was the last major movie that you've seen that has a sex scene that's anywhere near as graphic as the one in this one? We should talk about the cover of this thing, which is like a poster. Like, okay. what? What is this? Well, we have Christopher Lambert and Mario Van Pebels at the top, uh, clashing their swords, and there's a Connor like <laughs> reaching up top, like he's grabbing a golden snitch. Yeah, he's he quick. Is, he's he quickening is. out. Yeah, and there, yeah, he's quickening out. And then there's a clock behind a him. Clock. And I guess that's a cityscape or Sparks or something. I guess it's I think it's sparks. the factory behind yeah, them, factory. right? So it's just like a cobbled together Photoshop, right? Montage. And on the clock, there's like Roman numeral numbers, but there's also like years, like seventeen whatever is on there. But they're like peppered in. Roman, it's not like Roman numerals that are not in order. Wait, what? Oh my god, you're... Wait, one, two, three, and then going the other direction. Oh, 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 there's a... I couldn't read the X line. is so small, I actually couldn't see it. Jesus Christ. Isn't that tiny? I can't really see it on my copy here, because I'm yeah. looking at the catalog. No, no, it is an X. Mm. But the half of the X is, like, infinitesimal, and the other half is big and fat. Jesus Lord. Also, the Roman numerals are just wrong. Like, the four is four... Hash mark. Oh, you're right. It should be a one and a five. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! Put the four on. Holy shit! No. Well, you know why, guys? Because it's a final dimension. No, it's a Zeiss clock. Oh, oh yeah, right. Zeiss, <laughs> Zeiss diverse. Zeiss clock. What is it like uh, going to a final dimension? <laughs> Are we supposed to be guessing the price? Yeah, of this? so we're yeah. not playing prices right rules. Guess this is just who, closest. Whoever gets closest. How much does VHS cost? Amen. This is a VHS tape. VHS, nineteen ninety six. Twenty nine ninety nine. Kyle. Twenty four ninety nine. 
Kyle wins. It is 1999. Oh man, good guess. Thanks, man. I thought VHSs were more expensive back in the dilly. That's still pretty. That's, that's, that's pretty, pretty expensive, expensive. for 1996 a, a money. Length film. When was the last time you paid like twenty dollars? Today would be close to thirty, right? When was the last time you paid thirty, close to thirty dollars for a DVD? It's been a while. Yeah, right. I wouldn't pay thirty dollars for a movie. No way. Yeah, digital download for like ninety nine cents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of expensive, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, it is expensive. So Damn. there we go. You're paying extra for Diane Unger's. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. Ah. Not to mention that prostitute. That's right. A lot of boobs. All right. So that's the Highlander catalog. Back to the show. All right, so we now cut to the medical examiner's office. So the goon who lost his head is on the table, and they've, like, stapled his head back on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another Mulcahy-style shot, I think. Like, mm-hmm. big wide angles, big bright colors. Like, the floor here is it's red again. Red. yeah. Yeah, this is very dramatic. And on the, the wall, there are, like, blown-up x-rays. Like, what kind of fucking police station is making, like, six-by-four poster size x-rays? <laughs> but they're on the wall. But it's awesome. Like, this is a very, like, a cool comic booky. Maybe they were giant x-rays. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe that's maybe just of a very giant. big person. <laughs> yeah, that's a big guy. This is... Andre the Giant came in and they... Uh, yeah. Right, so Lieutenant Sten comes in. The Emmy gives him, like, a smart-ass remark. He's like, oh, like, I think I figured out what the uh, cause of death is or whatever, which is funny. So Sten goes to, like, smoke up. The guy tells him, he's like, you better not do that. And they're talking about, like, what's the deal with this body? He has no cavities or broken bones or any medical records of any kind. And he's like, there's no organ deterioration. He's like, this guy's a newborn baby. And so then Sten's like, yeah, no body, no records, no prints, no dental. Which Sten is like, what the fuck is this guy doing in New York City? And first off... Them, like, him being, like, this guy's, like, off the grid. Like, what's he doing here? It's, like, that kind of makes sense if he if he didn't have any medical issues. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how are they going to find out? Like, if this guy has no cavities, well, I guess he didn't go to the dentist. Like, he obviously doesn't have any health problems, so he didn't go to the doctor. Like, so them being, like, I can't find out anything on this guy. It's, like, well, of course you can't because he's, like, he has no record. Like, maybe he's not a criminal. Like, the idea that they can't find out this guy's info, to me, should not be this shocking. Like, this guy's just a John Doe. Yeah. I think it's more shocking when you're in some kind of crazy ancient armor. All right, yeah, there's that. Okay, All right, there is He's that. inherently yeah, weird. Sure. And there is no record of any kind of him. Right. So, like, that's a weird one-two punch. So then we get this line where the medical examiner's like, oh, it's like, oh, well, you shouldn't even be, how'd this guy get in New York City? And the medical examiner's like, what's this guy doing on the planet? And it's like, uh Oh, is this a Zeistian I, I reference? Maybe. It's a is fun this what thing you were re- talking about earlier? That's what yeah. I was talking that about. That was what yeah. I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could definitely read it that way as a fun like wink to Highlander 2. Yeah. It could I also just be a smart-ass remark. Like, well, who knows what this guy's fucking well, think, up to. Yeah, I mean, there were lots of smart-ass remarks you could have written there. I think it is supposed to be a wink. Yeah. Yeah. Which it I think is too. good. The quickening. So, yes, Second, he is from Zeist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second thought. One of the things that's so unusual about him is how nice his teeth are. Presumably because he's immortal, he has no cavities. Kane's teeth (laughs) are a horror story. Whoa. Such a shit (laughs) show. They even call it out in all the special features. There's like this little behind-the-scenes things with uh, Van Peebles. He's like, I haven't flossed in years. Yeah. And it's like, but your goon, either your goon fastidiously flossed in that cave, yeah. or it's because of his immortality, and why don't you Good have call. magical teeth That's powers? Right. Yeah, why, why did Cain get the short shrift on magic teeth? 
Actually, his shit teeth are an illusion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe Kane just drinks lots of red wine. That's right. It's only red wine. Yeah. Yeah. His, his it's mouth all is apple like jack and red wine. <laughs> yeah. Like his mouth literally looks like he swallowed ink. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like a pen, he was chewing on a pen and it exploded. In his yeah. Mouth. <laughs> all right. So Sten's all fucking mad. He's like, ah, fuck this, and he leaves. Uh, he's furious because they they got no leads, as it were. There's a really weird, awkwardly long reaction shot from the doctor. Where he goes like, oh, no. <laughs> right. The doctor's very cartoony, yeah. isn't he? And he has a weird, like, earpiece on. I didn't notice that. Hey, what is that? It's, like, weird, like, it almost looks like a headset for taking phone calls, but he's, you know, in the Maybe morgue. it's for taking call his center, notes? Call center like, for, oh. for his, uh, his tape recorder? It's probably a recorder. Mystery yeah. solved. Just call, me, just call me Lieutenant Stent. Yeah. Podcast over. <laughs> All right, so we cut to the museum. We get this long establishing shot. Inside, Alex is looking at a computer screen comparing a piece of the tartan, uh, a McLeod tartan, to a piece of the tartan they found in the cave. Did you guys have trouble logically figuring out this it really confused me. I, it is confusing. a lot I of confusion like on here. The second round through, it made more sense to me. And there's a piece of dialogue where I still don't know what she says. Well, let's talk talk it through. So Alex is comparing these two swatches, essentially, of McLeod Tartan. And she's saying there's an alteration in color. Like, one's dark blue and one's light blue, but barely. Mm. Also, the one's like 400 years. Like, I don't know. Wouldn't, like, it have wear and tear for yeah, being exactly. trapped in a cave for the, 400 I don't know, years? At least the images seemed sufficiently different. Oh, right. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so she says uh, there's recorded story of someone named Connor McLeod from this village being exiled from his home for yielding unnatural power. She says the father altered the tartan to honor his son's memory, but there's no record of that branch ever since. Does this mean after Connor left, the clan changed yes, their, their color? Yes, right. But and only a branch of it? The use of the term branch That's is the thing that's confusing, because it's like yeah. it's the whole clan McLeod. Like, surely there's a record after Connor left. When I, was wondering, well, I think he's saying that the old McLeod colors... Right. Ceased to be used because the clan McLeod changed its colors. And that would be what Connor was wearing. Yeah. So it's not like Connor went off. Oh, with so his Connor's old... wearing the old colors. Yes. Ah. Uh, okay. Okay. wearing okay. those colors. No, that makes sense. All right, his yeah. dad, after he leaves, goes, oh, this is really upsetting. I'm changing the colors to honor him. Now all McLeods down through history are wearing Have the this... new colors. Then there's no longer a record of the old colors. So this is the Seeming... first instance of the old color. Okay. Got it. That makes... I'm cleared up on that, I think, a little uh, bit more. So you're about to say it makes sense. I would not go that far, but it makes more sense. But then I'm My notes about... literally say, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> she says Nakano's initiates were said to be great sorcerers, but they never said where the sorcerers came from. Maybe Scotland? It's like, is that what this is? It's like, what? And like, maybe the Scottish know. sorcerers went to Japan. Right, yeah, because there's like a tradition of Scottish mystics, and it's like maybe they all pilgrim, like had a pilgrimage to Japan. This is so like is this like the druids? No, no one knew who they were or where they they what were they were doing? Stonehenge, where the demons dwell, toppled by a dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now we get into this weird like family reunion thing. So she has a piece of paper. That's like the guest sign-in sheet from a what what she says is a yearly McLeod like reunion at is this castle. Is that what she said? Yeah, I rewound this part like five times. <laughs> the subtitles on the disc were in Japanese, so I couldn't turn the <laughs> right, subtitles yeah. on. And I was like, "What is she saying?" Like I literally <laughs> couldn't understand the words she was using. No, if Chris Tucker had asked me if I could understand the words coming out of her mouth, the answer would have been no. 
<laughs> so amazing. On so this, what is this? It just exactly. says nobody refers to themselves as from this branch except this person. And it says Connor McLeod USA. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all the information that's on this. And so I guess I'll give this the benefit of the doubt that like she went through other paper, right? Like this isn't the only thing she's going by. There must have been more yeah. records that like. So wait, it was a family reunion? Yes. The McLeods have, I guess, a yearly meetup. That at, fucking Connor showed up to. I guess he probably goes every year. And this was in 1986. Wow. And so after the gathering, he goes back, I guess with Brenda. With Brenda. And visits the castle and signs in using the name Connor McLeod, which he does not usually do. That's so And marks that he's from New York City and also marks that he's from this particular branch that doesn't exist anymore. I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. For some reason. I mean, I guess okay. but I was not paying close enough attention to this, clearly. I thought it was somehow related to, like, the deed for the castle, like, the deed to the property. I couldn't figure it out. So don't worry. It gets stupider. Because <laughs> then she's like, I'll guess where he's from? Right here in New York City. And I'm going to talk to him about the sorcerer Nakano. Like, this is her hunch as a scientist. Mm-hmm. She's like, this is the best clue. Really? No, well, I think she. I think it's. I'm going to talk to her about what his ancestors were doing. That like you ever have an ancestor who went to Japan? Is there any family stories or records about that? It's f- almost. It's like 400 years ago. I don't know. Families have histories. Sure. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good plan. And as McLeod points out, as McLeod points out later, there are hundreds of McLeods in the phone book. Fucking find one of them. Like yeah. bug them. Like this is the most crazy reaching out on a limb. Oh, sort yeah. of thing. Like this is your hunch. Like. This could have all been accomplished differently, right? Very. Absolutely. Like, like in the original script that she's involved, like her in the original script, her and fucking Bedso are hanging out, like in the medical examiner's office. Like, because yeah. she's like, I've got this tartan. What's going on here? And like this piece of armor, this and that. Like they're trying to figure it out. And that's how she runs into McLeod because McLeod's being interrogated at the police precinct right. and is leaving and runs into her. And it's like, wait, how's he involved in this? And like, that's how she gets tied up in it. That makes more sense. Like, this is just like, I'm to go visit this guy like what <laughs> tommy her friend leaves and a vulture flies in. yeah so we got to later in the museum because she's gonna work late and a fucking vulture comes in and it's kane using the power of illusion to be a bird <laughs> 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 like, like he flies like that's not an illusion so, so what he does that is, is he, it, yeah he tricks gravity yeah. <laughs> into believing that he's a bird he tricks his bones into being <laughs> hollow. That's actually what it all is. Yeah. What a shit bird to turn into. I mean, he's the villain, so of course he turns into a vulture. He's a but naughty bird. Naughty bird. Yeah. Good use of shit bird. So yeah, all right. So now there's a cane vulture in the building, <laughs> and he's being a real creep. Peebles is a creepy guy. This room looks kind of cool. It's very, it's like the fucking it Last Jedi. Cool. It's another red yeah. room. Red room. Like, there's right, all these red rooms. Red rooms. Red Rom. Red Rom, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kane just fucking strolls in, and he's like, what do you call this place? She's a like, museum. A museum. I, I'm surprised she had an answer to that I know, question. But I would have yeah. been so like, huh? What? Like, I would like, say, huh, so many times yeah. to that question. <laughs> if like, somebody said that to me right now, I'd be like, uh, what? He says Alex, he's one of Alex's bigger, biggest, biggest, biggest fans because he saw her on TV. Yeah. She's a fucking TV star now because she's so famous. Yeah, for this discovery of some scratchings in a rock. That famous discovery. Yeah. The sorceress Nicano. Nicano. Yeah. So he's just so, saying how much he loves history and like 
remarking on and all he, the he notices artifacts. the armor which is yeah. from his goon he's like oh like he's like the present can never escape the past which is like yeah. it's like oh, that's a good bit of dialogue i guess sure. not in this scene but like yeah. whatever but then he's like oh what do you what do you call this and it's a model it's a model of the, of cave. the cave and he's right. like oh it's too small or whatever at some point he like stops her from making like an emergency phone call and then like gets real like creepy he's like a real well, creature. what's he say about reality oh uh, it's about like history he's like oh i don't know if i like history right and he's like i kind of prefer illusion and fantasy or whatever it is yeah, he's like, like illusion fantasy hocus pocus and then he like now his hand is on and then hers. he's like hanky panky so he doesn't even say panky hanky pank he says he just says hanky pank really <laughs> i'm like i listened to it three times and i could not hear that other why and like his gross, maybe the why is silent yeah his pank. red wine lips are all up on her ear <laughs> not to keep calling this back i mean like this weird disconnect between like he was been in, he's been locked in a cave for yeah like hundreds of years comes out speaking perfect english fine i'll well, give you also, that but he he's knows- like he knows the word hanky panky, but doesn't know what a model is yeah. or, or what a, a museum. museum. <laughs> How is he learning these words? Yeah. Well, it just can't decide whether it wants to be a fish out of water story or not. Yeah. I mean, because I guess they, he does. He, he interacts just, with the hooker, so I guess he learned hanky panky from the, from the hooker. hooker. But if he had hung out with some scholars, maybe, maybe he'd he learn museum. museum yeah. right. It's all about who you know. Yeah. He learned it from the hooker. Right. I like his outfit. He has a cool black trench coat. Is this the trench coat? Trench coat okay. type thing yeah like they make him look cool yeah like that's a th- uh a he's good... like morpheus yeah yeah he is this is this like before hot... morpheus though sure so... but this is like this 90s fashion like this like blade is the same way like, yeah he does like small glasses blade. long yeah. coats like leather stuff like studs and shit i don't know yeah but like it captures that like that kurgan quality of like the style and the he definitely has style. Like, Kurgan had a look. This guy has a look. Yeah. 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 Crazy fucking haircut, too. Yeah, he's so it's like crazy. weird. It's kind of it's kind of back because it's got like the shaved sides. Mm. I had a question. Fucking people do that now. Whole, when does he get those shaved sides? Because he has like long hair. And I was like, wait, is this no, another it's, Kurgan? It's thing? always long. But it's is just it just that, covering it up? It's just sometimes it's covering up the fact that the shot okay, so, sides Okay, so because at the end he pulls it back. And I was like, oh, he has shaved, like a shaved head like the Kurgan does now. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. But I didn't know if he had it the whole time. I couldn't remember. He does. Okay, so while this is all going on, a fax comes in. This is my favorite part Damon, of the movie. Damon, tell us about your favorite part of the movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> when he says hanky-panky and like makes her hang up the phone, then she gets a fax. And the way she gets this fax is her computer just starts flashing a really <laughs> loud noise. Incoming fax. It's like an alert. It's, alert. I think it alert. says incoming fax alert. <laughs> it does say that. So it's like, uh, 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 incoming fax. So this is the most alarming fax anybody has ever received. And what information does this fax contain that needed to urgently be sent in a fax? It just says, like, I don't know anything about Connor. <laughs> it says no additional information on Connor McLeod. It's like, this was fax-worthy? Like, Great. <laughs> who gives a fuck? Yeah. Like, it's like, I have nothing to report. Let me fax that over to you. So, of course, now Kane sees this and is like, ooh, what's this about? Connor McLeod. So, I have a question. Why, why is Kane at the museum? Uh, because he saw her on TV. The so, last time we saw Kane, he was seeing her. No, oh, I remember. So, yeah. he's here because she's looking into the cave. But what? what is his aim? What is he getting out of this? Like, he doesn't do anything. Like... <laughs> That I don't. That I'm not like. Like, like, what does he get out of this? Nothing. He lucks out, and a fax about Connor McLeod comes through. If that hadn't That's happened, true. did she think that he knew where Connor was? Why? Because he knows that. Does he? Does he know that you Connor think was at that cave? Right. So, do you think he thinks that Connor's buried in a different part of the cave or something he like could. that? 
but, who knows? but then he would stay in Japan. Right. Not no, go no, find I, McLeod. I just mean like he might have also recently escaped. Maybe right. It's not great. It's but it's so weird. Like what is he doing here? It's but weird that the he, original script fixes this problem. It's, it's weird that he lucks out yeah. because I think I would have accepted it if he had indicated to her in some way that he was there because he's looking for Connor. If he says there was someone else in that cave, I'm looking for yeah. What happened, Connor McCloud? Did right. you find him when you looked at the cave? I would have no problem. That would with that. be better. But because they never hang a lantern on why he's there, he just and then shows he up. gets a fax, and he's like, "Uh huh." This is another one of these like, just like we need a scene where the villain meets the heroine. Girl. So here it is. Like it's not driven by any sort of real plot or story. But in the original script, it's interesting because on the newscast, one of the things she finds, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, is his sword. Interesting. And she packs the sword up, and so he's like, "Wait, she has my sword." So he goes to the museum to get a. Sword back oh why fucking change that that makes so much sense it makes a lot of sense and it's got so much great symmetry with all the sword related things that happen in this movie that we will probably not get to until next episode right but also it doesn't change anything like why logistically change that like that involves her having a sword in her hand on the tv broadcast Kane does not fight anybody in the interim. So it's not like he needed his sword. So they were like, oh, well, he needs he a sword He did decapitate here. that guy at the very beginning. Right. Oh, that's right. But maybe he, they could have done that a different way and used his, his own sword against them or something. Yeah. Whatever. But, like, he doesn't need the sword, really, until this point. Like, just have her have the sword. And he can show up and just take it off the fucking shelf. I don't know. It's so strange that it's changed. That's a big, big deal. The mechanics of these movies, when they start editing this stuff, it fucks it all up. Yeah. It's so strange. Wow, so we are really digging deep into these these episodes. I think we're Deeper talking... Deeper than anticipated. Yeah, we're talking a lot more about this than I thought we would, which is interesting. Hmm. Maybe because it's so good. Yeah, yeah that's why. It. That's it. Yeah. So, how about we play a little game? Well, guys, to continue the theme of Highlander movies, I thought we'd do a little Highlander 2 trivia this time. Shit. I Highlander know. Highlander 2? Highlander 2, I say. The Gathering? Quickening. The Quickening, that's Whoops. right. What, that's... I'm on a Highlander podcast. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so, the rules will be just like last time. I'm going to read each of you a question. You have to answer. We're going to go pretty quickly along. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. Are we, we ready? we better this time. Who knows? All right, Kyle, I think you started last time. So, yes. Eamon, you're going to start Did you this make time. my questions harder than Eamon's last time? No. Or is just one set harder than than another set? No, they flip-flop. Some of them are harder. I I didn't really try to. We'll see how this goes. Mm. I don't know. I did not intentionally... Oh, I don't know. I was just curious. I'm just trying to justify my failures, Keith. I just want... Let me cheapen Eamon's victory. That's right. All right, Eamon, ready to kick it off? What is the name of Connor's love interest in Highlander 2? Uh, Fuck. I know. These are hard because we haven't seen them in a while. I don't remember. Tick, tock, tick, tock. The answer is Luis. Fuck. Kyle, what drink does Connor order in the bar? They're very good. Uh, <laughs> Eamon, who good. plays General Katana? Michael Ironside. Correct. Kyle, who is the composer of the opera that starts the film? Wagner. Ooh, yeah. Bonus question. Do you know what opera it is? Go to Damarung? Yes, very good. I'll give you mm. half a point for that. All right. Eamon, name the Scrubs actor who stars in Highlander 2. Oh, uh, John C. McGinley. That's correct. Kyle, what year does the film take place in? Shit. Uh, 2030? Ooh, close. 2024. Ah. Eamon, who's a good boy? Billy? Ooh. Jimmy. <laughs> Kyle's right, Jimmy, yeah. Ah, <laughs> Kyle, who plays Connor's love interest, Luis? I don't recall. Ooh. Oh, wait, Madsen? I'll, I'll give you half a point for that. Mad- Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen, all right. Eamon, why did Mac have to build the shield? Uh, for ozone depletion. That's correct. Kyle, name one of the Hedgehog twins. It's Corda and Reno. 
damn it, is it the other one is going to be the fuck? Amen. Name the other hedgehog twin. Corda or Reno? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. Kyle, when does the sun radiation kill Brenda? Oh, boy. This is hard. Uh, 1999? 1995. Shit. So when this movie takes place. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Isn't that crazy? Holy shit. Amen. How does Connor summon Ramirez back? By saying Ramirez, Ramirez, my good friend Ramirez. Is it by doing that, or is it when he gets the quickening? Oh. Challenged. No. He says it. But uh, according d- to the answer on this sheet, it's when he calls his name. Oh, I believe that it's what you wrote. <laughs> but that's also what Ramirez says. When you call my name, I'll be there. But he doesn't be... actually come. He comes later. Come he, he, he comes a little later. Uh, Kyle, finish this line. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. If you don't take it out and use it, it's going to rust. Very good. <laughs> Amen. Mac has an ugly sculpture called Coca-Cola Plan in his place. Name the artist. Oh, shit. Uh, Robert Rauschenberg? Very good. hey Kyle, what is the name of Mac's partner at the Shield Corp? It's on the tip of my tongue. This is going to kill me. Fuck. I don't know. Amen, have a guess? No. Alan Naiman. Naiman, there it is. Alan Amen. Amen, what's Mac's favorite takeout in the movie? Favorite takeout? Yeah, favorite fast food. Wendy's? Yeah, that's oh. right. See, when you change it to fast food, that made it easier. I'm right? sorry. Well, I, it actually did say... Oh, no, it's a say takeout. Sorry. But I thought that was maybe confusing. Kyle, what country was the movie filmed in? Argentina. Correct. And... There we go. That's the end of it. No, that's <laughs> very good. I got confused. Oh, that's right. I was second. Yeah, that's right. I was, yeah. I was like, oh, I was, I was just like, that's I was like looking over the questions. I was like, this doesn't seem right. Yeah, we're good. All right. So the grand total is Eamon has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points. Eamon had a nine. And Kyle has one, two, three, four, five, six points with those two halves you got. Six to seven. Eamon wow. wins again. Dude, you're pulling a hat trick on me, Eamon. Well, what? All right, guys. Well, this brings us to the end of our third episode covering Highlander 3. So what do we think of the scenes we talked about? What are we thinking of this movie so far? I mean, it's it's getting better-ish, maybe? It's, I'm not sure, honestly. This one, I mean, this was the most racist segment we talked about. <laughs> so I guess... And the most misogynistic. Okay. So, also true. So we're nailing, we're two for two so far. No, I, I'm actually going to go ahead and say this might be the weakest segment that we talked about. We got that sweet three-card Monty segment. Yeah. So how much do it's, we think this movie's so Smith's. far being hindered by the fact that it's like a clone of the first movie? How much is it hindered by that? Like, do you think it's so prevalent that it's taking you out of this movie? Like, I, it's like, oh, I, I remember this. I remember this. I think that's a problem on the margins. You know what I mean? Like, I do agree that that's not good. If this movie was logically coherent and got from point A to point B successfully and was just, like, overall better, I would be talking about that a lot and how that bothers me. But, like, it's the jury-rigged, illogical center of this movie that really is what weighs it down. Like, the fact that it's got so many mirrors to the first one is almost a sideshow. You know what I mean? Like, that would bug me in an otherwise good movie. If this movie was a solid B+, and that was the case, I'd be like, hmm, I don't know. Am I being, uh, or maybe I'm being too hard on it. No, I don't know. Uh, actually, here's something we should talk about. Kyle, as you mentioned, this is maybe the weakest segment of the film we've talked about so far, because kind of nothing really is happening. We just get a couple, like, scenes that don't mean too much, like, that aren't needed. Like, the hooker scene isn't needed. The three-card Monty scene isn't needed. The investigation at the medical examiner's office, like, eh. Like, we know the guy's immortal. Does... We as the audience got zero information. We get nothing. Sten doesn't really put together much else. Like, we don't get the idea that he thinks something else is afoot here. 
do we? We just think he's like, ah, oh, fuck this. Like, I don't know. Like, he's, he's just he, mad. He's just mad. Like, I, I want Sten to be, the wheels to be churning. It's like, no, 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 there's something else here. Like, what am I missing? What am I missing? Like, I feel like he's the sort of character that would look for something more. Like, we mm. want him to finally figure this out. Yeah, like, I was kept on waiting for, like, a Sherlock Holmesian kind of, like, when you rule out. Right. Everything else, like only yeah. No matter how illogical, cool. when you rule out the impossible, no matter how illogical, it must be true, right? Yeah. Is that like I was kept on wait, waiting for like a moment like that that yeah. just never happens. Mm-hmm. Sten's not really on a journey. No. Is the problem? Sten is just Sten there. Is not on a journey. So my point of bringing this up is since this is kind of a bleh nothing episode. Wait, our so, episode is no, no, bleh no, no, nothing. No. Bleh since, <laughs> are you calling Amon <laughs> bleh nothing? Bleh. Yeah. I will not stand for that. I won't either. But maybe we we've been talking a little bit more about the script now, the original script interspersed with our commentary we didn't talk about it initially in our first episode so maybe let's revisit the opening of this movie in the original script and how it really differs from this the original movie does not take place the original draft of this script by merman does not take place in japan it takes place in scotland and it deals with like scottish mystics right which so is, there is different kane is kavala kavari Kilvara. Kilvara. Okay. Yeah. It's another K name. But, right, another uh, K name. He like goes With the word to, kill in it. Yeah. Yep. He goes to some condemned man who knows the power of like shape shifting. Right. Which happens to be what Kane does most of the time is right. shape shift, apparently. Mm-hmm. And see, so we we should have had Nakano shape shift in this movie once. Because then we'd be like, oh, he shape shifts. That's his deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he sort of did it with the snake. With thing. the snake, I guess so. But I, I would think that's just an illusion. Right. Like it looks like it changed because it's a stick. It's a stick. It's not a yeah. man turning into a bird, bird. Yeah. and flying mm. around. Like it's different if you think it's a bird. He flies into a building, like through a window, yeah. as a bird. He actually was That's just, not an illusion. He actually was just climbing the whole time. I could believe but it. He made illusion. himself invisible right. and made a bird fly in instead. I could believe if Kane turns into a bird and walks through the door, I'd be like, well, people just think he's a bird, but he's actually a man walking through a door. And it's just like a whole bird hopping. (laughs) First off, what happens in the beginning is he convinces this man who's about to be killed that if he teaches him the power of shape-shifting, he will switch places with him. Also, as it turns out, that was an idea they kept because in the future there will be a swapped execution moment. But it's because this guy's mortal. He's not an immortal with powers. He's a mortal mystic. Yeah. Right. So he teaches it to him, and then, of course, the bad guy betrays him. And it's just like, ha-ha, bitch, like, go get killed. And then he, he continues on his quest. Oh, right. And part of the things that's driving him is, I guess, shape-shifting is very hard. He's not good at it. By obtaining more quickenings and things like that, he will gain the ability to sustain this shape-shifting power more easily and for longer. Is the villain's quest in this whole thing. Kills another older immortal and his who's like a teacher charge. because he takes yeah. the place of their student like he kills the student in secret and takes right. their form right and then kills the teacher and he, he chases the teacher into like a weird cavern and then for whatever reason the quickening again collapses him in the, cave. the right. cave connor and kilvara never meet never in the past which i think is better sure well because right now they're asking us to accept this weird reality in which they are long enemies whereas they've literally had one interaction right they've had one interaction in the past right and that's it and haven't seen each other for hundreds of years so like they're asking us to accept that there's this deep-seated animosity between them and i guess maybe i can get why mac might hate him for killing nakano even though I don't really believe he and Nakano were friends. Right. <laughs> uh, but, like, there's no reason Kane should hate McLeod. Like, I can get that he wants to kill him because he's evil and he wants to win the game. Fine. But, like, he's like... As he, he hates him. He hates him. He's like, he owes me 400 years. It's like, 
does he? But there's another weird thing in the script where Kilvara at one point is like, I need more power. I need to find the Highlander specifically, yeah. which is weird. That is weird. And I don't like it. So now, now let's talk a little bit about Connor's like origin story in the original draft of this movie. He, there is a character, Sarah, who is a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. This which is, is a uh, different... A different character. It's a completely right. different character. They just use the name later. It's not yeah. like he falls in love I, with Sarah. Having seen this movie... The second I read, I read that, that, I was, I was like, like, uh-oh. 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 Like, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. But Mac is like he, a farmhand. Yeah, and he protects this family from warriors, but he is also shot in the chest with a dart or a crossbow bolt. Right. And so he convinces the father. He's like, you need to bury me. Because the father's like seeing him resurrect. And he's like, you need to get me out of here because word of this is going to spread. Like, these people know I died. Fake a grave, whatever. Get me out of here. Thanks for everything. And the guy's, like, thankful for him. He's like, I don't know what I saw, but, like, be like. Yeah. Uh, so Mac heads out. And then he eventually, there's, there is a teacher figure in this, Kavanaugh. Who is, I guess, supposed to be the figure who we have yet to meet in our discussion in the French Revolution, I guess is the yeah. analog to that character, Is maybe. he? But this guy's, like, a teacher figure, Pierre. not, yeah, yeah. Pierre. He's, yeah, he's, he I guess like he's just an figure goof, yeah. is, is what he is. In the original script, there's more scenes like you need to leave her, this sort of stuff. Because Mac has another love interest in the original. I forget her name off the top of my head. No, but Who's she's also like, like the cousin of a the French king. whatever. He's the co- she's related to the king. Yeah. Yeah. Kavanaugh just is like teaching Mac, you need to learn how to live, man. Right. And like smell a tree or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's different themes being developed. Because that's a... Well, the loneliness theme is a big deal in the original draft. Right. That is what it's about. Which is also kind of what Gregory Wyden's original thought about this entire enterprise was about. It's like, you know, these people are kind of tired of living and they want to finish this thing. Because Mac also visits in the present. He comes back to New York and visits Rachel. And it seems very sweet. Like, he's just like, I was, I've been alone. I just can't be alone anymore. She, like, comforts him. It's very, you know, like he puts his head on her shoulder or whatever. I don't know. It's different. It's right. a very tonally very different. It's a much more somber movie. Mm-hmm. It looks like anyway. There's a lot of like in the original draft, like a lot of long Mac dialogue, which I'm just like, I don't think I get that. Like Mac goes on like I don't think Mac talks that exactly, much. and I'm like, I don't think Mac talks this much or expresses his feelings this much. So let's cut this back. Uh, I mean, it definitely still feels like a first draft of a movie, but there's more nuts and bolts to it that feels more complete than what this is. Like this feels like they grabbed a couple elements of it and like move stuff around but in the process lose some of the meaning behind it which is bad yeah i agree it's like uh, this to me is a classic example from the first highlander movie i stand by this is there's the big lovemaking scene in highlander which is just a sex scene for what reason to have boobs on the screen but <laughs> in the original script the immortals don't heal the way they do in the film and television show they have scars they're all bruised up and it's all fucked up. So the lovemaking scene is like a reveal of Connor's body as being like disfigured from centuries of battle. That's cool. That is cool. But they, t- it, they th- took that element out, but then forgot to take out the love scene. And it's like the reason the lovemaking scene in there is just to get them naked and interacting together so she can physically see what this life has done to him. I think this is something often that happens in movies when things are picked and pulled. You lose the heart behind it, baby. Baby! So that brings us to the end of our discussion of this week's Highlander podcast. One of nine. One of nine, <laughs> yeah. baby. So we go two scenes at a time. <laughs> 
Uh, so make sure to follow us on Facebook and definitely give us a, a rating on iTunes. That helps get our podcast in front of more people, and we really appreciate it. And we love to read what you write. And, of course, we always take criticism. No, we don't. Fuck we it. don't take it well. We I mean, take we it well. take it, but we pout. Keith throws yeah, things. I do. We have to restrain Eamon. It's uh, pretty bad. Leave your criticism at home. Criticize something important. Like a local coffee shop that, you know, like they're fucking biscotti or something. Yeah. Leave a Yelp review. That is very specific. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, this place is biscotti. That's right. You call this almond? <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Join us next week for a brand new exciting episode covering Highlander 3. I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Amy. Bye. Bye. really digging deep this is fun so we cut back to how far in are we 40 minutes